when I found that list, I found the original tweet that was sent that I wanted to, that I sent out when the first ever new music happy hour got sent out. And that was, that was me writing from the heart. Really. That was uh, saying it how I wanted it to be. Dan, thank you very much for uh, coming on to the podcast. I'm so excited to have someone on that has such a similar sort of view towards new bands as, as what we're trying to promote here at Folks on Tunes. My pleasure, mate. Absolutely delighted to get involved and chat new music. That's, that's a real passionate area for me. So I can talk to anybody about this, mate. So thank you very much. <laughs> Fantastic. I have a feeling this is going to be a good chat. Uh, I want to take you back, first of all, um, to early days and uh, where the music passion started, where this has come from from you when you were younger, what for sort of, what was your first introduction to music? Um, I, I would say I was quite a, almost a late developer into music. Actually, I was a mad football fan as a, uh, a young lad growing up, a massive Newcastle fan. Um, so after school and stuff for me was, I never had time for music. I was running around playing football night after night after night. But what, changed all of that I suppose really was definitely maybe um a friend of mine who was a couple of years older than me um you know started playing this this album I obviously didn't know who it was and eventually it just it just grabs you and I'm sure you know that know know it yourself and from there Oasis um started everything for me um and that led us off into different kind of genres and paths to listening to you know similar type of bands and I suppose really from there uh, that's where it started. My dad was um, a guitarist as well. So, but he used to play some shit music, man. Some crap. Yeah, some. He used to like make us put these headphones on like this, and then play some like oh, like metal type of um, heavy metal. Not heavy metal, but kind of real heavy rock stuff with uh, these big riffs. And I would be like, oh, this doesn't just doesn't work for me. But eventually. The Gallagher brothers found the way into my heart, mate, and that's where it all started from, I suppose. That's amazing. And yeah, I guess that's quite a similar story for people growing up in the 90s that it would be the Gallagher brothers that would, if it hadn't already got to them, that would kickstart that journey for them. Uh, so that's 26 years now since definitely maybe. So there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of music in between then. Um, yeah, where did it go from there from the Gallagher brothers? What, what, uh, you said it took you on a journey. What was that journey like for you? Um, my older brother, I remember used to, um, when I used to be in his car every now and then would play the complete stone roses album. Um, and I can remember Mersey paradise being played quite a lot. I don't know if you know that tune, but yeah, I do. Stone, uh, so that, that song I remember really vividly. And from there, I suppose getting into, um, who was the next bands I used to like probably stereophonics were the next big love after Oasis. Um, and the Seahorses were like kind of two bands from there who are massively loved, and then Ocean Colour Scene as well, and ev- everything I suppose around that Britpop era. Um, and I remember d- distinctly kind of going to the local shopping centre every every Saturday with a pal of mine, um, and I'll just name drop him if you don't mind. He's called Absolutely. Neil, and we used to go and buy singles every few weeks save up a few quid and I remember buying um the circle by ocean color scene I remember him distinctly buying Spice Girls so 
Um, no comments. That's why he wanted to name drop him, <laughs> just so that he could get made fun of. I like it. Just so I can stitch him up, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm guessing by the sign in the background that it was Newcastle that was the, the football um, when you were growing up, before the before the music kicked in. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, I suppose... Did the music take over as the Newcastle football declined a little bit? Was that how it worked? It's probably convenient, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, we should be used to it. We're still crap now. Um, still never won anything. And uh, we have more bad days than good, being a Newcastle fan. But, yeah, massive passion for me was football. But the music has always, kind of, has always, been, um, has always been there, really. And it's a, to be fair, it's a good distractor from football. I remember, you know... When Newcastle used to get beat, I used to get really down about it um, and really annoyed and spoil your weekend. And you think, why are you doing that? But music is a, a good escape from all of that. And there's no, you can't win or lose really with music. It's not, uh, it's not like that. It's good all the time. Fantastic. And so a lot of those bands that you're naming there, Stereophonics, Oasis, Social Colour Scene, bigger bands. Uh, what, what took you down the line of the new music that we've seen you, uh, that you've sort of become really known for this year? Um, well, when I was, I would say mid 2000s, I was in a band myself and, um, know how hard it is, know how difficult it is. And firstly, it's hard enough just to get four or five people to turn up one time to practice, um, and finding four or five people who are all interested in the same type of thing, who are all connected and have the right chemistry. And I remember, you know, back then kind of really struggling to get those four or five people together. And then when we did, it was real fun. We had a great few years together. Um, still speak to most of the people in, in, in that old band. Um, and still, we do. I'm doing a little bit of writing with um, who was the singer in the band at the time. So uh, DJ Kyle, he's called. Should check check out some of his tunes. He's really good. Um, but from there, I've always had an interest in the next big thing. Um, I remember buying a ticket to go and see Arctic Monkeys for eight pound. Um, wow. and being absolutely like covered in sweat and everything. It was just everyone jumping all over the place. They hadn't even released their album by this point. Um, I think they'd released, I don't even know if they'd released their first single, but, um, some people I, I worked with at the time were massive kind of new music fans, bigger than me at the time. And they said, Oh, you've, you've got to get onto this band. And you know, they were talking about people like Arctic Monkeys and this band coming through called Kasabian and, and we are scientists and people like that. Um, and yeah, um, so I've always, I've always had that keen eye to try and find a band coming through. And I would always, when I'm going to these bigger gigs, if you like in inverted commas, I would try nine times out of 10 to go in, watch the support act and see if I could find somebody that I'd never heard of and kind of get ahead of the game on that front really. That's interesting you say that. Uh, do you mind me asking if, uh, what the name of the band was that you were in? Well, actually, we were called The Priory. Um, now, The Priory, we called ourselves The Priory because if we ever made it, that's probably where we'd end up, the rehab clinic. Um, <laughs> so we started the band with what, where we'd end up in the end. As you meant to uh, go on. As, absolutely, yes. <laughs> we had a bloody good time for a few years, absolutely. Had some good fun. Played some good gigs and we got to a national final of a comp and competition and, um, you know, it was just, yeah, really, really, really fond memories. Looking back, we ended up in so many scraps, honestly. It was, uh, we played a battle of the bands once and then we played the semi-final in Leeds and there was us and there was 
three other bands who are all there's one from Sheffield, one from Leeds, and one from Leeds, one from York, or something like that. Anyway, three local bands and us as the outsider. And uh, when we won, honestly, the place went into a massive riot. Honestly, this is true. And police vans and everything turned up. My mum was fighting with people. Um, our singer got his tooth knocked out. Um, I mean, I think I was just probably hiding under a table somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I trying to trying to create peace, but uh, yeah, it was. Um, and the funny thing about it is, we got when we got through, we played the final in London at the O2 Academy in in Islington. And there's probably about six or seven hundred people there. And before we went on, it was hosted by an ex Radio One DJ called Colin Murray. Um, now. Uh, I think he's just, uh, I think he does various newspaper columns and he does Channel 5 football when it used to be on. Mm-hmm. So he, and he worked for Radio 1 at the time. So he asked us, this is honestly no word of a lie, he asked us the name of the band and we told him the Priory and he went, I've heard of you. Didn't you have that massive fight in Leeds? Honestly, that's, no word of a lie, that's true. <laughs> that's true. And we were like, how did people in Radio 1 know that we had a massive fight? I don't know if that was good or bad, but all publicity is good. But we didn't win in the end. Um, but that's another story. <laughs> that's, yeah, so you got yourselves known at least through one way or another. You got yourself to Radio 1, or at least Absolutely. to their knowledge. Absolutely, yeah. It's interesting that the... Um, we'll get on to DP Apera very soon, but it's interesting that it comes into, comes from a place, sorry, of genuine... Uh, knowledge of of what it's like for these people and what and you know it's it's like uh giving something back i guess for what you had during your experience oh absolutely i mean we made nothing from gigs back then nothing um you know we 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 obviously playing because you're playing because you love playing music and you and you think you're good and you think you've got some good songs but in terms of trying to like you know make anything out of it we we would be lucky to come away from a gig with a fiver each um and I remember some places because we used to, for some reason, we always played a cover in the set every time. And some places that you played, you had to pay them to play a cover. You had to give them money. So, um, yeah, we, we used to play When the Sun Goes Down by Arctic Monkeys. And so we would get like 25 quid for a gig, but we'd have to give 10 back for playing this cover. So I know what it's like and I know how difficult it is saving up the money to record and, you know, back then, I suppose our thing was MySpace. Um, don't know if you can remember that or not, mate, but uh, MySpace. So, and now, obviously, I think bands have got, um, obviously, some various different routes to market now, which, which can help them. I know they don't make a lot from streaming, but streaming, for me, is the place that leads you to somewhere else. Um, and if you like a band and you're passionate about new music, that might lead you to buy a T-shirt, a vinyl or a gig ticket. So, uh, yeah, absolutely know what it's like. We'll get on to what we're here to talk about then, your happy hour that you've been doing. First of all, just explain what the idea is, what, what, you know, where it came from uh, for, for people that don't know about it. Well, uh, I'll just start off by saying it was completely ripped off by, from Tim Burgess. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I ripped his idea off. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, the, the controversial thing about this is me and Amy, who's my uh, missus, who we do all this kind of stuff together, we um, can't decide who come up with the idea of DP Happy Hour. Um, and I, I kind of liken it to when you used to read stories about Pete Dockery and Carl Barrett used to write songs together, and then they would get so drunk the next morning they couldn't remember 
who wrote the song and they would argue and fight about it. And I liken this to, to that really where I know I joined in a few Tim Burgess listening parties and I know there was definitely a conversation about, you know what, we should do this for new bands coming through and maybe we'll get them involved. And instead of it being Oasis, etc., with Tim Burgess, because, you know, with all due respect to Tim, and I think his parties are great and I've bought some vinyls from being on his things, but Oasis don't need a leg up. You know, they don't need a hand, really. Yeah, they've, they've sold, a, sold a couple of vinyls already, I think. Yeah. Uh, they've done all right out of it, I think. Um, <laughs> and we, we thought, you know what, there's something. So I know it was one of us who come up with the idea, but I, we can't remember, so I'll just take the credit. But um, And from there, the first, actually, DP Happy Hours were, I don't even know if they were called that, but they, they weren't for new music. It was kind of me and a few mates joining in on Twitter with um, and the first one, what we did was all Oasis songs, funny enough, which were written by Liam. So non-Noel songs, only only the Oasis tracks written by Liam. And then the week after, we did another Oasis one, but it was all the tracks written by the other members of the band. So Andy Berlin, Game Archer, etc. And then from there, the week after, I think, or the week after that is when we said, right, let's let's take it from there. And I think that was sometime. End of April, start of May, I think, the, the beginning, the first ever new music one. Was it something you had been looking to do? Were you sort of interested before in doing some sort of new music or the Oasis idea of the original ones? Or did it just come to you on a cloud? Like, I re- this is amazing. I'm loving what Tim's doing. I'd like to do my own version. Yeah, I just, I just knew I could, probably, um, I could probably do something to help. And to be honest, I probably only had... I probably only had about seven followers when I started on uh, when I started doing these things, and it's grew quite nicely, and it's built a nice little community. And I think, I think the idea, um, like most good ideas in life or in business, just drops out of a cloud somewhere, and you just grab a hold of it and run with it, and don't question where it comes from, and try and make some good of it. And I think you said it right there, important words describing DB Happy. Or if I had to describe it in one word, it could well be community. Um, it's grown into something that you know the bands that have been on it before are quite often you see them uh, saying in later weeks you know that they're listening and they, they find another band uh, you know it's the same people that you see if you search the hashtag DP happy hour on Twitter it's quite often the same people that you see every week uh, they're commenting on it um, it's really become quite a, a community and specifically for this like music scene it's you know you see it every week and it's 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 big. I call them my season ticket holders now. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, they don't have any benefits as yet um, for being season ticket holders, but there's, there's a few solid hardcore followers um, who join in week in, week out, and can't thank them enough for taking their time out when they could be watching a box set or something on TV or doing anything with their family. They, spend, they choose to spend an hour looking at a screen and listening to music and tweeting away on a hashtag i mean it's incredible really because there's loads of other things you could be doing but these the people who join in every week are the ones who are also passionate about new music and you'll find that most of them um are tweeting out pretty much every day about listen to this one it's almost like a competition of some sort but not in a, not in a not in a competitive way just look what i've found look at this have a, have a listen to this song and you're kind of like, wow, where did that? Where do we find it? Where do I find these bands? And I, I used to have panic attacks about um, about running out of bands. 
<laughs> right, yeah. Where's the next? Where's the next fifteen bands going to come from to make up a happy hour? And then, and then suddenly, you're completely flooded with new music, and, uh, and then you're off and running again. Yeah, and I suppose it's not long before the same bands are releasing another track anyway. So you know you're going to have it's going to be a, especially now that you've built up a following as well. It'll just be a continuous stream. But that that's that's what's been nice over the last few months is that bands now will send us an inbox and say. I've got this, we've got this new single coming out on this date. Do you want to have a listen in advance, which is like, which is great. And then I, then I'll say, can we come on a happy hour? And I'll, we'll kind of work out a date that works for them and get, get them booked in. I'll make a note of it in me, in me phone of who's going to be on on that week. So it's great. And that's what I've kind of been aiming to try and do is, is to get bands to find me instead of, um, I mean, the early days was so time consuming. Um, finding you know, trawling through Spotify on different, on these different playlists and then going on to finding a band, going onto their Instagram, look at who they follow and then find a list of the, obviously the bands that they follow, then listen to their music, then write them a message, then wait for them to reply. And then they go, some of them go kind of, oh, I don't get it. Can you explain it again? And, you know, making sure people understand it. So that whole thing, takes loads of time, especially when me and Amy both got full-time jobs. So it was, um, and now it's kind of working the other way around where, where bands, fortunately, I still do my fair share of scouting, but uh, they come to us and say, oh, we've got, you know, I've heard about the happy hour. Can I be on it? Et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's exactly in the position that I'd like it to be at the moment. It's great. And I guess it's a real lockdown gem and, maybe something that wouldn't have happened if it hadn't been for lockdown, I guess. One of the few positives, if we're going to try and take any from it. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's definitely something that... We, had, how had lockdown been for you up until you'd ha- had the idea? Was it, was it um, one of these brainwaves that had come to you, you think, because you were a bit bored or because you were, yeah. it was difficult? I mean, yeah, I think, you know, if it wasn't lockdown, then Tim Burgess probably wouldn't be doing his listening parties because he'd probably be out gigging himself. So if he wasn't doing his parties, then I wouldn't have been listening to those listening parties. And, you know, hats off to Tim. Because I've, um, you know, I listened to a fair few of them, especially the Oasis ones and stuff. But I bought a few vinyls from bands I'd never really um, been that into. But because I joined in the listening party because there's nothing else to do, then, I, you know, that ends up, you know, you end up spending your money and putting more music, uh, putting more money in the industry. So, yeah, it probably there's every chance it wouldn't have happened. Um, and I suppose really if it ha- hadn't have happened, that would probably mean that we've had a much better year, <laughs> you know, cause we wouldn't be stuck in the house, but one, you know, you've got to make the best of this crazy world that we're living now. And you really have made the best of it. I think, um, if I'm correct, I think I'm quoting, uh, Curtis Cooper from, uh, the Outcharms here, who said, um, you're doing one of the most, one of the best jobs for new bands just now. Uh, I, I wish I could remember the exact quote in his tweet, but he's essentially said that you were doing almost the, the better, the most out of anyone for new music just now. Um, what, how does it feel from like an idea that you've just had that you can't even remember if it was you or the missus that had it, and it's come to the point where people are saying comments and praise like that? Oh, it's, it's mint. It's fantastic. Um, it's what we set out to do, and you know, just making a difference for these upcoming bands and give them a platform. Uh, to share and it's changed the happy hour a little bit in the beginning it was more about sharing the story behind the song um 
So the bands, as, the, as their song would be playing on the Spotify playlist, they would be tweeting what it's about and how it was written. But now they don't, uh, we've kind of stopped that for some reason. Now that everyone just tweets and it's just crazy. Um, <laughs> and no, nobody really shares their stories as much as they used to, which is, you know, we don't really um, encourage it either way. They can do whatever they want so they can join in or with the story or just join in on the hashtag. And what we ask, all, obviously, all the bands is, please stick around for the hour. Um, we kind of noticed a few of the bands not naming any names, but at, at the beginning, if their song was up first, they would tweet. And then as soon as it was finished, they would disappear off the hashtag and you would never see them for the rest of the hour. So for me, that's not what it's about. It's about everyone. It's, it's about the same amount of attention for the band that is first or last on the playlist to get the same amount of comments and feedback and feel like they're part of it. Cause you know, that's definitely something that has improved over the last few months as people sticking around for the full hour. And it definitely should be a community then if you want the, the, the bands to be part of that community as well, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, Kurt from out charms, the top lad, I was on a video call with them last week. Um, we had, I've been doing these Q and A's, um, which come from, Again, a total random place. I've been doing these Q&As with established bands and teaming them up with upcoming bands. So we get on a Zoom call like this and we've had um, Adam Nutter, who's the guitarist from the music. Um, and last week we had Little Man Tate and um, I'm talking one or, one or two others now um, and, and, and a record label I'm speaking to and we're trying to do these kind of Q&A forums where bands can ask questions and it, you know, so Kurt was on the one last week with with Little Man Tate. We had a we had a right laugh. It was just like four or five lads in a pub talking about music and football and all that kind of stuff. It was it was it felt like the old days. <laughs> it's interesting that it's even more. That's even more. I didn't know that that was happening. So there's even more to this than I thought. Then did you have a sort of uh, is there a journalism background or like a music sort of writing at all or? Is this all sort of new to you from, from the last few months? Um, no, no, no music uh, or journalism background, nothing. Um, nothing, I just think I, I'm always I'm quite ideas driven. Um, and that's obviously uh, work related as well. And, but nothing, nothing is such like that. Just, just passionate about music. And um, I'm always listening to these songs with like a keen ear to how they were written and, I often like message the bands because I play um, guitar myself. So when I hear the songs, I'll be sending them a little message saying, oh, noticed you've done this in the song. And that's really cool. And um, so it's just all about, uh, for me, it's just a passion for for new music, really, and, and, and music generally. That's fantastic. It started off um, as a, I'm right in saying it started off as, so you were, you were putting the playlist on Spotify and it was simply just tweeting into the hashtag um it's moved across now there's a a radio element to it. uh in your years music is that right yes um what, how did that come about um i'm sure they're regretting it now um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's just really a, you know a, a development um i've been kind of looking for an opportunity to take it on the radio and i'd noticed um shina sam had been doing like some obviously she she does amazing stuff and then she um you know started doing this radio show with radio matlock as part of the hashtag virtual pub crawl events 
And I just thought to myself, you know what? I, I would love to have a go at that. Um, and then the advert came up on, on In Your Ears. And then that was it, really. I just sent, sent them an email and said, they put a post up on Instagram, I think. And I, I sent up, just sent an email, just asking about the opportunity. And then he replied straight away and said, I can't, I can't believe it. I'm, I, I've been listening to the happy hours. I'm delighted that. Uh, so it was a match made in heaven, really. And we've done our first one last um, Wednesday night, I think the first one was. Have you done radio before? I listened into a bit of it and I was, uh, I did student radio and that and radio is sort of one of the things I'd quite like to do eventually. And I was amazed if you haven't done radio already, how confident you sounded, how sort of, you know, you had the sort of professional radio voice of uh, enthusiasm and all that, that you're trying to, you know, sometimes it's difficult if you've not done it before to actually sound as enthusiastic as you are. Did you, had you done it before? No, uh, so I'll take your compliment. <laughs> and it's funny because I can't, I can only do, so I don't want to spoil the myth, but it, it was pre-recorded. So um, I wanted, you know, the guy give us the, in your ears gives us the option of doing it live or not, but getting used to all the technology and, you know, when you hear these polished radio shows, they've got people helping them in the background of when to start a song and stop it and fade it out and all that kind of stuff. I was thinking if I'm doing this live, and I've got all my mates listening in who will give me pelters if, I'm, if I make a mistake. I thought I best, do, I best do a pre-recorded. So the first few will be pre-recorded. We're trying to experiment with doing something on, um, on live, doing it live. But we haven't got there yet. We've got this kind of cool idea about this jukebox um, idea in a pub, really. Think like Imagine you're in a pub. So we're kind of working on this idea of... Um, we'll direct people to the In Your Ears website and there'll be a list of songs they can pick from and they'll get onto a hashtag and they'll say, right, can you play this song? And as, as people put those, those tweets out, we'll start to play the, the music live. Um, so, yeah, that's what, we're, that's what we're trying to come up with of how, how to do that. And then the, Dan from In Your Music is trying to make it on Zoom as well. So, yeah, it'll be carnage, but um, it'll be fun. But, yeah, I've never, never done it before. And... It's amazing what you can do when you've got the option of press and delete and start again. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, this is amazing then, all this. Um, so if you said you started in like, was it March or April uh, time doing this? Just how far it's come in, like, let's say eight months, uh, potentially. Just how much it's grown and, and uh, this is, yeah, you must, I can't, I can't imagine you expected it to go like this when it started. Uh, no, I mean, the, like I said, the first ever one we did with these kind of Liam Gallagher written Oasis songs, there's only four of us joining in on the hashtag, but we had, we had a, you know, a, it was kind of like just being in the pub again, everyone having a few drinks and commenting on Twitter and, um, and yeah, I can't, couldn't imagined it's, um, went, couldn't, couldn't have went as well as it has done really, but I don't know where the next thing is with it, but I'm not bothered, I'll just keep going and as long as people are in, enjoying it and um, wanting these things to continue and finding new music, then I'll crack on as long as long as it's uh, people are happy for it, happy for me to do so. I think that I don't think that'll uh, be any time soon that people want you to stop. I think it's going to just keep growing, uh, especially because you seem to be so ideas driven and so sort of progressively thinking about how you know you're already thinking about the future and how it's how it's going to move on. Uh, has it been cathartic for you uh, having that as a sort of release? 
and you know you've talked about not being able to go to the pub uh you, you did the virtual pub call as well if i'm right um yeah i've done a few of them yeah yeah, yeah. Rob, top man <laughs> and you've done this obviously as well as a sort of i guess it's become like a virtual hangout of sorts it's a you know it's a, it's a night in the pub with your mates talking about music except for you're in your own home <laughs> i know i mean yeah absolutely and, and i mean to be the backstory is that me me and amy moved to a new part of the country um in january which is kind of 100 miles away from um where we used to live that so we haven't got any friends to hang around with. <laughs> we do, and it's been the worst year possible to move because you oh, know definitely. we've moved and then all the pubs are shut, so you can't meet anybody. And um, so, I mean, this is this has been an opportunity to, I don't know, kind of socialise in a different way because I am very social driven and want to be out all the time and um, you know meeting people and talking to people. And I just love being in busy busy bars. So this is, I suppose, a busy Twitter environment is there equivalent or the best we can hope for right now and how's it been uh doing something with amy in the in the house and you know this is something that you've worked together on do you work did you work together before much before this no um just on making tea uh, <laughs> was, oh but to be fair that is 100 amy all i do is <laughs> i put dishes in the dishwasher and that's about it um no we hadn't we hadn't done anything like that as as, as such um uh no so this was a first venture of trying to do something together and uh it's been pretty plain sailing to be honest i'll just do yeah. what i'm taught and then happy days <laughs> even at the start when you said it was uh sort of a bit more tense because you were stressing about the bands and you know it was taking up a lot of your time in that i guess at the start yeah she she was good um because she would you know she would be doing some of the scouting herself and kind of going up to spotify and recommending bands and there's a group um that i'm having a chat with later actually called the merchants i don't know if have you listened to them no no right i have a listen to them the, the latest single glum struck fool is absolutely top and amy's uh claim to fame is that you know she was she was the one who found them um so they, they're a band that i think i've got real potential you want to hear this guy sing and the guitarist is great and the whole band setup is is superb and amy thinks that she's discovered them so <laughs> so it was definitely a team effort she would be going to you know jumping on these platforms to find different bands and send them over to me and said i have a listen to this and having a listen to this one and that one so it was yeah it was um is it like i said in the early days it was really time consuming and it would be even worse if you're doing it on your own so the chance of obviously me and amy working together on it has saved saved me loads of time and it's been enjoyable it's fantastic uh I'm Scottish myself, and you might have guessed from the accent. And because uh, um, quite a lot of Scottish people, creative types that, that would do stuff like this, and they would say, um, I'm thinking particularly of a podcaster called Sean McDonald, who I heard talking about this, um, how being Scottish is so helpful because, you know, the social aspect of it and the just being sort of having a naturally out, outgoing personality in that um, just it can be so helpful when you're meeting new people and you're doing things exactly the sort of things that you've been talking about, like the Q and A's and all that. Being from the, the Northeast and is that had a similar sort of impact, I guess I would say it's quite a similar sort of culture and that it is a very social culture. Yeah. Cause nothing else to do. 
<laughs> it's just yeah. yeah. I think that's where the Scottish one comes from as well. <laughs> yeah, just go to the, going to work all week and then um, looking forward to being in the pub on a Saturday night and meeting people and chatting stuff and watching live music. That is um, that's the kind of lifestyle, if you like, that that I've grown up with and wouldn't change it for the world really. But yeah, so I've done loads of stuff with Scottish bands. I had a right good time. Um, I don't know if you know an act called Brown Bear. Yeah, yeah. So me and Brown Bear, um, well, not me, and he curated a playlist back in, I think it might be in July or something like that. I can't remember. Uh, maybe, no, maybe a little bit later. I can't remember. But anyway, he curated a, a, a playlist of all Scottish acts. Um, so we did DP Happy Hour Scottish special. Um, and it blew me away. There was I'm trying to think of all the bands on it now, but you had uh, um, Kitty, who was fantastic, Carly Connor. Um, if you haven't heard, of Car- heard Carly Connor sing, she's absolutely incredible. Brown Bear, uh, Fabric Bear, um, the Ranzas, the Capolos. Uh, there was just there was loads, and I'm doing a um, the Happy Hour this week is actually with in association with a magazine called The Weekender, and it's it's um, it's for the Scottish Song of the Year. So all the bands that are on the Happy Hour this week are all in the nom- are nominated for Scottish Song of the Year. So um yeah me and scotland are are tight <laughs> and i love playing golf there as well so oh fantastic that's my favorite place to go and play golf as well i'm a golf fan myself Where, where's the best places you've been to play golf in scotland then um so you know i'm i'm an organizer as well so i'm like a male version of monica from friends uh, <laughs> I, I have um like a golf a golf group um okay call ourselves the sultans of swing yeah cool um <laughs> So we've, we've been to, um, where, where we've been, we've been to Stranraer, like we went to Stranraer three yeah, yeah. times uh, in three years. So we went to play Stranraer and Port Patrick and we've been to Cardrona um, and I've played Turnbury and uh, I've I played, played all over the shop. Yeah, I love, I love Scotland. Just love, I know this is off the subject of music, but I love uh, okay. the music, the, uh, this, this Lynx golf is, is true golf for me. I'll link it back into music with the Scottish element and the DP Happy Hour element. We had uh, Joshua Grant on as our first guest yeah. on the podcast last last uh, three, a couple of weeks ago now, and um, yeah, he's he's uh, he's been on DP uh, Happy Hour himself, I believe. A couple of times, yeah, yeah. Um, I think his latest single, "Is Lay Me, Lay Me Down," I think it was called, yeah. done really well. Um, and. I was del- delighted to have it. I think his previous, it was Edinburgh, I think his previous tune was really good as well. Yeah, he got so to the top of the Scottish singles uh, charts on iTunes, yeah. I know, it's uh, it's incredible. It's it's great. And have him, like, you know, he, you know he's inboxing us saying, well, my song is will you, on, will you please tweet out the link to, for people to buy it? <laughs> like, Absolutely, pal, give us there. Uh, we'll go 50-50 on it. Eh? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, he's, he's done done great for himself and another one with a big feature. Yeah, he's... Uh, Definitely drove the sales. He was saying um, a hundred, one sale uh, for the charts is the same as 150 streams, which is incredible and just shows how much streaming is dominating just now. Um, yeah. I want to quickly, uh, you shared this on your Twitter a couple of days ago. It was um, a screen grab from your notes of the first uh, DP Happy Hour, I think. <laughs> uh, and just sort of what you'd, I think they were just, well, you'll know better than me, were they just notes of like what you wanted it to be? It was it was written down um, as the tweet I wanted to send out the first time it was going to be announced okay. what we were doing. 
Um, and I think it's probably, probably was something like that. But I just was looking through some, some notes for, I can't remember what I was looking for. I, I was looking for a, um, a li- I'd, I'd been talking to somebody about Oasis shock and we've been, it said like, how many times did you go and see them? And I'd, I'd wrote down every gig I'd been to see either Oasis, BDI, Noel Gallagher, Liam Gallagher, Noel Gallagher acoustic. And I'd put them all into like date order. Um, and it was quite a list. Um, so I was looking for that list and it was, and then uh, when I, when I found that list, I found the original tweet that was sent that I wanted to, that I sent out when the first ever new music happy hour got sent out. And that was, that was me writing from the heart. Really. That was, uh, seeing as how I wanted it to be. It is very heartfelt. I wrote some uh, quotes down to, just to ask you like what, you were, what they meant to you, what you were thinking about when you wrote this one. So it started off, it was the very first sentence, was this one is particularly important to me. So that makes a little bit more sense now that you were talking about doing the, um, the Oasis ones before and the, about the, the, the specific songs. But yeah, so straight away you knew that the new music was going to be uh, when you were taking that turn, it was something, it was a passionate thing for you. Yeah, it was definitely a kind of, a kind of point in the sand where it was going to be different from now on. It was going to be, actually, yeah, we've messed around with doing these Liam Gallagher ones and um, Oasis kind of themed ones. But now, actually, I think we've just found our niche and we've just found what, what we're supposed to do um, in this lockdown kind of thing. This is what's going to, give us something to do personally and as, as well as helping other people, which is obviously the, the most important bit. The next bit I took was, uh, the aim here is that you might love one of these songs, check out some other songs, maybe buy an album or vinyl, or even better ticket to go and see them. So instantly it comes across to me how unselfish the whole thing was. It wasn't about the you know, thousand and whatever followers that you've gained on Twitter it's from the seven that you said you started with. <laughs> um, it wasn't, you know, about, you know, it being, you know, Dan Potter's happy hour. It was about, you know, happy hour and a, a chance for these musicians to see their sales grow. Oh, they've cost me a fortune, these bands. <laughs> and I've told them, wait, like, come and see you. You owe me a few beers for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, and we've bought tickets, you know, we've sp- spent our hard-earned money on um, loads of their vinyls um, and gig tickets for the ones that have announced shows. We just can't fit them, you know. Obviously, when when this all takes off, and when when gigs come back back on the on the scene, um, there's just not going to be enough weekends to go and see them all. So I'll just try my best to get around the country and and see as many as possible. But yeah, that was and that's hundred percent. I pretty much write that on every happy hour announcement. Is this is just the start? You know, you've, if you start here, then you know, click onto Spotify, then maybe go onto the website or the. Uh, Instagram or whatever, see what else they've got out there. And if you're feeling, you know, that you've got an extra few quid in your pocket, then what a better way to spend it than spend it on new music. You said how important streaming was for the, particularly for the new bands right at the start, but it's clear that you understand also that the physical sales is where the money's at for them. Yeah. I mean, I see this debate on, on, on Twitter all the time, you know, the hashtag broken records, industry uh, broken record movement which is 100% right about um, bands just don't make enough from it and you know my view is um, you know the you should get paid more paid more for the kind of early part of the streaming so if um, 
these newer bands who don't get as many streams. It would almost be on a sliding scale, but the reverse way, kind of, you would start off earning more because that's where they need it the most. And the bands like Coldplay and all these people who've got like 150 million streams on a song, then they don't need it as much. So, you know, at that point, I'm sure they'll disagree, but never mind. But you know, the ones at the beginning, you would get paid more for your streams at the beginning. But then, you know, um, when I was in a band, we had MySpace and you didn't get anything. So yeah, there's, all, there's all, yeah. two ways to look at it. And then I, I kind of always, you know, City, you know, City Lights, the band. Yeah, yeah. So City Lights, are, they've, they've got a, a kind of a unique take on it. They know that obviously streaming isn't uh, where the money's at, but then they'll say, well, that's just a landing page, really. If you really, if you write good enough music, people are going to like it. And obviously one that you, you're happy to be playing it anyway and putting it out there. So that's, and if people like it, then that's an added bonus. But oh, that's just a start. And if they really like it, then they might go on, then, then they might go on your website and then they might buy some stuff. So it starts off with, you've got to put good music out there and, you, and your tunes have got to be good. Otherwise people will not go anywhere else. So it's got to be, that's got to be the start. Like the, the tunes have got to be good enough. And then if they are, then people, people will spend money on it if it's good enough, like any product. Yeah, and I suppose you have, yeah, Spotify has done, it's a step in the right direction when you think of it from the MySpace days. But, and, and they do, maybe not so much, I mean, obviously they're not going to encourage people to go and buy albums when that would discourage people to listen on Spotify. Yeah. But they do, you do often see at the bottom of a band's page a list of all their gigs and that and direct links to get tickets. So I guess there's, you know, maybe not going to help with physical sales, but I suppose it definitely is still going to be the first step towards ticket sales if you if you're going on tour or that absolutely yeah absolutely and it's just you know they've got a spotify have got to protect their own interests as well just can't get away from that the, you know whatever money that they're, they're making profit wise they'll say is not enough so it's um just business yeah and of course there are other streaming services available uh hmm. The last thing that I took from the from the paragraph, the very last sentence: uh, positive vibes only, plenty negativity on the news. Not in this party. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what was yeah? What what does that mean to you now, looking back on it? It's the same thing I write on every tweet going out at the start of every happy hour: is uh, no room for negativity. Take that somewhere else. We don't want it. Like you know, um, these bands are putting themselves out there, and the last thing that they want to see is people going, "Oh, your songs this or it's rubbish or." This is crap, or whatever. Um, and it, it so, and it's not like some hippie convention, you know. Let's all be really happy. Um, but if, if you don't like it, then just don't comment. And if you do like it, then get involved. Because uh, you know, I've had various different styles of music on there, and some weeks are kind of feel more indie-driven, kind of rock and roll guitar style stuff. And then other weeks. I couldn't even describe a category. Some of the songs are in, they're just so random. And I, I try and put them in a particular order, but then sometimes I, d I don't have time. I just put them pretty much, I might have a starting song and a finishing song in mind for the playlist. Try and start on a high and end on a, on a big tune. And then the rest, the middle kind of the playlist will be from all kinds of different genres. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, the, the positive um, vibes only was a dig at the daily press conferences from the government. Um, and, you know, if you want some negativity, go and watch that every day. You know, that's, just don't bring it here. Don't need it. Yeah, I guess that 
links directly back into what we were talking before about um, lockdown and, and how this has been quite cathartic for not just yourself, but everyone that's listened. And yeah, def- that definitely says then that it was uh, an idea to try and take away from the, how everyone was feeling at that time. And, you know, and if that's what it's going to be, then yeah, you do need people to be positive, especially at the start. You needed people to just go with it and just, you know, be happy and, and use this as a chance to get away from all the other negativity. Exactly. Everyone has no to stress in their life and, you know, some, everyone's stresses are different, but when, when you, when you come out of the happy hour, let's just try and leave that crap away for, for the next hour and just listen to some good, good music and have a laugh together. And, you know, every week there's a few of them, um, who are, they almost have like a, do you know, gifts yeah, you know, yeah. when they put, they have gift wars. Like it's, that's, <laughs> part, that's become part of the happy hour now where you see a few of them kind of going head to head, toe to toe combat on the gifts. Um, the who could come up with a, you know, the most appropriate gift for the song and stuff like that. And, um, so yeah, it, it, it's a real, real, real fun hour for me. I just watch, watching all the, all the tweets go past and liking them and, and I would say, kind of, if by the end of the hour I haven't been blocked by Twitter from liking new stuff, then I haven't been involved as much as I should be. <laughs> uh, look, every week we get, me or Amy get um, stopped from liking stuff. <laughs> every week. Yeah, I get, yeah, especially if you're going for it, especially on the busy weeks, yeah, I can see how that would happen. And again, like we said before about it being like a good substitute for the pub, it's like, don't bring your, uh, don't bring your negative vibes into the pub with you. You know, you come in, you leave that at the door and you just have good fun for, for your, in this case, an hour. Well, exactly. Imagine you're in a pub and you're, everyone's having a good time. Then your mate comes in who's just, who's just had an argument with his last that he brings everybody down. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, this, yeah. You don't, let's just try not to do that. You know, let's just, let's just be positive as best as we can and try and cheer each other up and during what's obviously a tough time for everybody. We've talked a little bit about it already, but I want to ask uh, sort of definitively what the, what the sort of future plan is for, for DB Happy Hour. You've talked already about how I'm like doing jukebox with the radio and that, but where do you see it going yourself? I don't know. Good question. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I enjoy the balance. The, the radio stuff's really interesting. I've, I've, I'm going to be presenting on another channel, another station as well. Um, but that is, that's all, it hasn't been announced yet, but that's all kind of old, older stuff. So kind of a, Hark back, there's some Britpop um, influences coming through on, on that show. And then the In Your Ears stuff um, is really interesting. And I'm just trying to get the balance right of will people um, tweet along as much, in, in, interact as much while the radio is playing versus what it used to be like on Spotify. So I'm just trying to understand how that dynamic works. And is it a good thing or a bad thing if, you know, as I know some people will, listened on Wednesday last week the the debut radio show and they don't have Twitter so they were just sitting listening at home and enjoying it um and is it a bad is it a bad thing if the Twitter side dies off and it's just people listening but then how did the bands get the feedback so the important bit for me is trying to make sure that um and I said on the on the radio it's made it easier because every week every week when we start the happy hour there's three things that happen every time. Somebody starts the playlist on shuffle. <laughs> so they're tweeting about the wrong song. And I'm like, oh my God, what, what's happening here? 
Um, what's, what's the other ones that happen? So somebody always comes in late and says, right, what song are we up to? And third one, and this happens every single week, I'll get one of the bands, they'll inbox us two or three songs in saying, can't find the Spotify link anywhere. So they're just sitting listening to nothing. So now, now what it does do is get everybody in sync. And as long as you listen at the radio, you can't help but being in sync. Um, it's just whether the Twitter interactions, I can keep them up so the bands get the feedback. Otherwise, you know, like most radio shows, people will have the radio on in the background and then you'll be just doing whatever you're doing around the house. And that's, that's how people, most people listen to radio. But this was trying to be a little bit different. This was, I'm trying to combine the feedback that the bands still get on Twitter with listening to radio and keeping everyone on the same song at the same time. So it's an experiment. And I'll be doing, definitely going to be doing another one in January on In Your Ears. I'm looking forward to that. I've started prepping um, who's going to be on that one. And I'll just wait and see how it goes. And hopefully it, it, it's a success. And yeah, definitely no, you know, just keep going until, until you feel like it's, it's done or, you know, plans to change it at all if it, if it feels like it's getting a bit old. I mean, if we run out of time where, where there's that many gigs to go and see, that the happy hour dies off naturally um, because people aren't there to join in because they're going to, they're going to gigs themselves. Um, that's probably a dream position. Um, you've probably succeeded at that point because you've got people to go and buy tickets and that's why they're not listening exactly yeah and i'm I'm definitely interested in that side of things as well is um is trying to do some put some gigs on and stuff next year and i've got oh like, fantastic so um you'll have to watch this space mate yeah absolutely we'll have you back on once the once that's off and going that sounds amazing uh, right, we've got the DP happy hour stuff out of the way. I'm going to grill you on Oasis now, purely because I'm an Oasis fan as well. And oh. It's fantastic. It's a fan. Uh, yes, so let's do it. <laughs> you said you've been to loads of the gigs. What was the best one? Well, first, I'd, I'd counted about 23 times, 23 different Oasis or Liam or Noel or, or yeah. in four or five different countries. Um, sometimes two, two countries in the same week. Um, oh, wow. So... Uh, yeah, so the the f- favourite, oh God, I don't know. The, f- the favourite is probably always going to be your first time, uh, for me anyway. And it was um, Oasis at Newcastle Arena. It was on the Be Here Now tour, uh, which, which when it got to Newcastle was just an iconic evening for the city because Newcastle were playing Barcelona in the Champions League up at, at St. James's Park. At the same time, Oasis were on stage at the arena. So... You know, I remember bursting with anticipation for them to come onto the stage. And on the, on that tour, they had a big telephone box on, on the stage, and uh, that's where. And this guy comes out, um, and he opens the telephone box, and the band walk out, and it was just amazing. Like the the atmosphere was incredible. And then Liam walked out with a Newcastle top on, <laughs> which we were like, oh, I was nearly crying, probably, but. Uh, <laughs> And then he kept everybody up to date with the score as well. Oh, so, he was get, so he was getting updates from the side of the stage and he was going, Newcastle have scored, Newcastle have scored again. And uh, Asprea had scored a hat-trick um, <laughs> as we beat, beat Barcelona 3-2 at the same night that Oasis um, were playing the arena. And it was probably the, one of the biggest nights in the city's history, probably. That's in terms amazing. of entertainment anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what a night. You can't beat Barcelona and having... 
one of the biggest bands in British history playing at the same time and managing to link the two. Liam knows know. how to work a crowd like that, doesn't he? I know. I know. So I, I'd seen them then. Which, you know, I went all over with friends to see them. Um, trying to think of some of the other gigs. Went to see them on the um, Standing on the Shoulder of a Giants tour. Went to Bolton, I think. It was all, that gig was... Uh, it was it was the first big outdoor Oasis gig I'd done, I think. Um, which That one was okay. Then I remember seeing them at uh, Manchester City Stadium. That's the one with the famous footage where the barrier crashes at the front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen that. Um, yeah. We were there, and we honestly thought it was game over. We thought... Um, we thought the gig was. We thought the gig was finished. Um, that that was great. And then, obviously, seeing Oasis, then at Stadium Alight, and that was towards the end of their end of that end of their time. I think that was two thousand and nine. I think they broke up later that year, and and from there, then obviously BDI formed first and went all over to see them. Um, went to Barrowlands actually to see BDI, which was great. Um, and then we went to. Then when Noel formed, I'm a massive Noel Gallagher fan, um, just as much as Liam. You know, I think more of the younger younger generation love Liam because of his attitude and uh, his rock and roll style and stuff like that. But Noel, for songwriting wise, has always been a bit of a hero. So me and Amy went to Manchester, Glasgow, Cologne, Boston, in in the US. Um, yeah, we spent a lot of money on the Gallaghers. Wow, and is Amy as big a fan as you, or just a very willing participant? Um, so, yeah, she she like really loves Noel, but um, I think she got dragged dragged a lot of the time. And I would say, I would say, look, I booked I book us at a weekend in Paris, and she'd be like, "Ah, oh, that's great." I'm like, oh, uh, Noel Gallagher's on at the same time." So <laughs> I've timed it. So I always try and go to these different cities um, and time it with a gig. And the Paris one was Paris was. That was a uh, a brilliant gig. I'd, I'd seen them in, in Glasgow on the Saturday night, and then on the Wednesday night, I'm in Paris, Paris watching them. So, um, yeah, we work hard and spend our money on things that we that we enjoy doing. But yeah, I've seen them too many times, and I had tickets for Noel Gallagher um, performing at the Teenage Cancer Trust. Oh, so yeah. I've I've been to that two or three times. I've seen Noel there once. I've seen Kasabian. I've seen. Eric Clapton and Mark Knopfler and I've seen um, and then I had tickets for the one that was in March I think of this year um, which was no I can't remember who was supporting now but um, Noel Gallagher and it obviously got cancelled and I was absolutely devastated gutted well, I was in the same sort of bracket in that I had tickets to see Liam in Heaton Park this summer did you? Uh, yeah, I'd, nice. I'd been I'd been down to my first time going out to Manchester was uh, for Coutinho's at Heaton Park, right? Been like two years before, and I loved it and was so excited to go back. And then obviously for it to get cancelled was absolutely, yeah, heartbreaking. I know. We, 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 <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. We had some holidays booked that we we've had to cancel and a few other gigs and stuff. But yeah, hopefully next year back to normal once this vaccine gets sorted, pal. And then uh, yeah. I'll be. Um, I've got. I've got a fair few booked already, but I think some of them will get maybe shifted. Maybe. Yeah, I think the earlier ones are still going to be too early. I think. So, yeah, yeah. I think so as well. Right. Definitively, I'm not letting you get away with not answering it. Best Oasis song. Do you know what? I'm going to pick something probably a little bit random. The song I've been listening to. Uh, 
if you asked me this tomorrow, I'd probably say something different. But so for me, the song that I listen to the most right now is Hello. Oh, interesting. Um, I just absolutely love that song. Uh, I just, you know, but tomorrow, like I said, you could probably ask us something else and I'll say Head Shrinker or something like that. But at the minute, um, I just love that. I just love the energy in Hello. And I'm, I was particularly happy to see him, see Liam um, put it into his set list. Yeah, first so time in 20 years overlooked. or something like that. I know it's so overlooked as well. It's just, and I suppose that's why I think I like it as well because um, it's not the ones that you tend to hear on a radio show. Like, you know, you're going to hear Wonderwall and Don't Look Back in Anger and all that stuff, which is all great. But um, I like, you know, the ones that you haven't heard in a while. And for me, well, I listen to Hello quite a lot. It's just, just great. Absolutely great. Yeah, it's a good answer. I like that. Best album then. You said the importance of definitely maybe to you growing up. Is it still the best? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to shift that. It's going to be hard to shift it. I still, I've got the vinyl. I don't listen to it very much, really. And you know, my my Spotify Wrapped. You know, I don't know if you if you've seen it or not. But um, I saw Oasis were at the top of yours. Well, uh, yeah, and I'm so surprised. I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know how they've they've clung on, but you know, <laughs> they managed. But the top five songs, um are all new bands, we're all new bands. Uh, I think, I'm pretty sure, at least four of the five are all new anyway. And I've, my music, who I listen to day to day, is completely 100% different to what it was the, the previous 12 months. Um, whereas, you know, where, where they kind of put your most played songs into a playlist, the year before it would be all, you know, your typical stuff. And then this year is, is forced change upon me in a positive way and my most listened to songs now are all bands that are brand new and it's great yeah, I saw that you had Oasis at the top and then I think it was the Roycing Club were second oh I love them massive and fanboy yeah I am <laughs> what an abs- what change in you know yeah that's fantastic to have them I like I like seeing that when you've got your, like you know the classics the one that's been with you all the time and then you know but you've still got space for the newer bands and the ones that are the future yeah, yeah, they, they. I don't know if you've listened to much of them, but I, re, I think they have definitely got something, something about them that that could, that could get them somewhere. But I, I hope that for loads of them, loads. Of, I love the Heavy North. Um, I don't know if you've listened to them yet, but they are like a bluesy rock, not rock in a um, like dad rock way, but they, they are, they are absolutely fantastic. A great set of musicians, and like the Merchants. Are great as well, but this uh, once I get going on this list, <laughs> we'll still be here tonight talking about bands <laughs> with potential. I just hope they they all achieve what they what they uh, set out for. Well, I'll let you do that then. We can. I've got as much time as as you have, so go on then. List some of the of all the bands that have been on the DP Happy Hour so far, and I know this will be tough for you, and I know you're trying to support them all equally. But who, which ones do you think? If you had to pick out, I'll give you say. We'll give you five uh, that you think are definitely going to be something big. Thanks, mate. Um, <laughs> we'll edit this bit. So I would say the Royston Club, um, the Heavy North. I would say the Merchants are creeping up there. I said that I tweeted that the other day that they're definitely getting into the Premier League of my of my top bands. Um, I think the Capolos are great as well. 
And who could be in fifth spot? Hmm. I don't know. Um, there's, there's just too many that are going around me heading out to name, name the last one. City lights are great. They're so unique and different. And that, that'll give them an advantage, I think, you know, that, that they, they've got a different style to, style to the rest as well. And yeah, I'll, go, I'll, put, I'll put City lights in, but I'm now, I'm now I'm going to, as soon as this ends, <laughs> as soon as people see more. this, as soon as people, see, if people watch it, the bands watch it, they'll go, you sod. <laughs> I've sent you a free T-shirt and you haven't even named, you know. So, <laughs> I'll, uh, apologies, but my me, me head's fried with trying to remember them all. <laughs> no, it's good that you got five. I thought that might take longer than it did. That was good. Yeah. Um, what was it? Oh yeah, well, I want to add one more uh, Oasis one to ask you, which was Liam or No. I think you almost answered it earlier, but I'll just get you to definitively say it. Um, I, I would probably. You know, I would probably, st- if I had a chance to go to either concert, I would pick probably no, um, because you know I've seen Liam sing. Some might say in cigarettes and alcohol, uh, stacks of times, and it's always going to be a great night out. But as a, you know, a musician, you know, I like you know I play guitar and, and piano and a little bit of stuff. But I like going to see no because I know I'm going to see something a little bit different probably. Uh, especially as he's kind of more you could argue that he's a, is he a little bit more experimental I don't know I don't know but I, I remember when he's I, I was thinking about this was the first thing that came into my head when I woke up this morning was when Noel's album um, The Man Who Built The Moon came out everyone was going oh it's so different and it's, it's experimental and he's forgotten about his roots and then when Arctic Monkeys released Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino Everyone was going, oh, yeah, this is great. You know, I'm glad that they've moved away from their roots and stuff like that. And you're thinking, God, you're so hypocritical. Yeah. If you think Noel's moved away from his roots and then you listen to Arctic Monkeys who sound now like that they're American, mm-hmm. you know, that's moving away. You know, Noel, to me, sounds like the same, same guy. It's just slightly, you know, just a different style. Arctic Monkeys sound, obviously, they've wrote this concept album about a hotel on the moon or something like that. So that's, that's definitely away from their roots of writing about bands and people in Sheffield so um, yeah I think I would, I would pick Noel and it's not all that experimental either because I think you could easily say maybe it's, I'd, I'd say Holy Mountain could easily be an Oasis song yeah they've all it, got guitars in them yeah it's not that different it could it could quite easily you, you could say that's a later Oasis song quite yeah. easily yeah I think that would fit well on like Dig Out Your Soul uh, yeah Dig Out Your Soul album on the kind of latter ones and yeah, yeah. But people just make a people just want to create division and and want to pick sides, and that's what people do. And so it's very Trump-like, um, you know, creating this. You've got to pick one or the other. And to me, it's just you know, you get to do everything twice. You get to buy two albums or two vinyls. You get to go to two different concerts. So it's it's almost better for me that they're split up because I get to see everything twice. <laughs> Yeah, it's like the parents splitting up and getting two Christmases. Well, that's what I used to say. I didn't want to say it, but that's that's what I used to describe it. You know, like kids who split up for Christmas and get presents off their mom and their dad. This is just like, it's just the same, you know, going to see Noel and going to see Liam and buying their albums and their vinyls and stuff. And um, you just get to have more nights out. What's wrong with that? It's great. Yeah. 
I've got, I thought these questions at the end have been very hard, especially after I've made you talk for an hour and then think about them, but I've got three more. The first one is from back, going back to the DP happy hour. What is the favorite song that you featured on that show? And I'm only giving you one this time, not five. Well, I'm, I'll have to go with the song that was, um, that was came up on my Spotify as the most played song of the year, um, which was the heavy North lying to yourself. Um, if you haven't listened to that one, honestly, this bloke has got some voice. Unbelievable singer, great musicians. The guitarist is insane. Um, just fantastic. So, yeah, that was on the first ever DP Happy Hour as well. Uh, that song, it was the last song on the first ever playlist. And it's yet to be topped. Yeah, yeah, it's been my most played song of the year because I've been trying to replicate the guitar solo from the song um, for seven months or something <laughs> unsuccessfully but one day i'm going to go to the studio and he can teach us properly that's the plan oh fantastic <laughs> uh from you're talking about getting into new music uh in the noughties and that and seeing art and monkeys for eight pound what is that the biggest band that you've seen when they were small or who would be the biggest band that you would say you discovered before they were cool yeah i remember seeing i remember going to see See, I've just been talking about this the other day as well. I remember seeing Kings of Leon in a university campus. And, you know, I always say Kings of Leon, you can almost split them down the middle. You've got the old school fans, like, like me, I suppose, who like, their, like them when they had big beards and long moustaches and they look like, from the, you know, look like real deep South Americans. And then you've got the people who think that the first ever single was Sex on Fire. So, <laughs> you know... They they were like, oh God, it's just so amazing, amazing to watch back then. So much energy and aggression in, in, their, in their playing. Now, obviously, they're a bit, you know, whatever. People can like whatever they want, but they're a bit more polished now. And obviously, that uh, they might have, I don't, I don't know if it was ever intentional to sit and say, right, well, let's write a song that can make us play stadiums, you know, but that was the song that kind of took them to that almost. Yeah, it was yeah. A, a, a stadium anthem, a festival exactly. anthem. And then from that point is when you're like, and I've said it on, on a radio show I'm about, to, I'm going to be doing well, I'll say something like, that was the moment in time when they went from, you know, just to kind of a, a really solid, great band to your Uncle Brian and your Auntie Mandy liking them and, and coming to your house and saying, oh, have you heard this new band, Kings of Lee on the grid? <laughs> you're like, wait a second, they've released four albums by now. Um, <laughs> So I think, yeah, Arctic Monkeys, Kings of Leon in their yeah, early days were, I'm sure there'll probably be more, but I can't think right now. But yeah, Arctic Monkeys, that eight pound gig was, was, was amazing. Are you someone that always gets down to the front for the sport bands? Are you an early, an early bird if you're going to a gig or are you not that no, bothered about that? No, not now. <laughs> I might, you know, the, I might have been back in the day. I remember, I remember going to see... You know, talking about going to the front and getting right into it and getting stuck stuck in would be, um, I went to see Stereophonics at the Newcastle Arena in, I think it was 99. Um, and me and my pal went, we didn't have tickets. We ended up, we ended up paying like 50 quid for a ticket. This is, in, so we overpaid back then. Well, bear in mind, we didn't have much money back then. So it was, um, we paid a lot off a tout to get, get a ticket. And we eventually get in, get the right to the front right at the front and the band came out and they played, I think it was Roll Up and Shine, which was the first song of their second album, Performance and Cocktails. 
and I never seen him again till the rest of the gig. As soon as, as soon as everyone started bouncing everywhere, and he went off, he got carried <laughs> almost by the crowd one way, and he's a big lad, so he got pushed in one direction, and I went another, and I never seen him again till the end. <laughs> so I spent the whole gig dancing around with randoms, and then I remember at the end, obviously I, we both must have assumed like we'll just wait till everybody goes, and then we'll find each other. And I remember bumping into my cousin, who I didn't even know was at this gig. <laughs> and he was staying back at the end because he couldn't find his other shoe. <laughs> so I used to be right down the front. And as you get uh, older, um, yeah, as many things change, from, uh, for me, I've kind of regressively moved backwards in, in the arena or like a big stadium gig like that. So where I'd be once at the front, now I'm as close to the back to the bar as you can get without just you know so it's a nice balance between getting close to the bar and good enough to be able to hear the band properly yeah so move to the back now it's it's uh safer <laughs> and, uh, boring, but... yeah and someone that would make an effort to get to the support bands or just yeah definitely them. yeah definitely yeah um i mean last was it last year i know you mentioned cortinas i'm not a huge fan of them i don't know why i've just never really gone into them but uh, i um Went to see Cortinas a couple of years back and they were playing Newcastle Arena and I only bought the ticket because Jerry Cinnamon was supporting. Um, I think a lot of people did that on that tour. Yeah, and, and he was um, oh, it was just just in- incredible. I don't know how long you can keep it up for. Um, you know, that kind of one-man band thing that he's got going on with the stomp box like, with, with his foot playing the drums and stuff. I don't know how... But, you know, he's put he puts on a good show like Jerry, absolutely class. Yeah, he, yeah, definitely. He's trying to catch the support bands as much as possible. Yeah, I guess that's very important as someone that's trying to support new music in that. You were saying about uh, someone telling you about this great new up and coming band Kasabian in the noughties and that. I wish I could remember what um, gig it was that they were playing. I think it might have been their first summer solstice a few years ago in Leicester. Yeah, and um, Catfish and the Bottlemen played in the car park that day. Just turned yeah. up on their own with their own stuff. And just were like handing out flyers and that, um, yeah. And then went That's, on to they do the, you know it's amazing the stories that you hear about support bands and then they go on to do their own thing. I didn't know that. That's quality. Didn't know that. That is rock and roll, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's like that famous story of Oasis turning up turning up at um, King Tut's when they were yeah they weren't even on the bill. Weren't even on the bill. Whether it's you know Oasis, I think were great at telling stories. Whether any of them are true or not, we we never know. But like this idea that they turned up to this gig and 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 it wasn't uh, they weren't supposed to be there. And Alan McGee happened to turn up on that night and see this band, and then they got signed. And you know, if it's not true, it's a bloody good story. Yeah, they've worked it well over the years. If it isn't true, oh, they've 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 done they've done really well at, at creating you know, created the, the, the hype that they did around themselves with some of the stuff. And Noel's quote, I think, was, um, if you tell everybody in the world that you're the best band, well, at least half of them will believe you. <laughs> so you're onto a winner. <laughs> yeah, that works. But last question for you. Um, we've talked already about the, support, the benefits of physical sales, uh, buying vinyl or, or CD or whatever, uh, over streaming. If, you, if someone had exactly enough money for any one record... What records would you tell them to get? Oh, you're stitching me up. <laughs> so uh, I'm just going to pick the, the latest one that I've bought um, because there's, 
it's been uh, I've had it on a, a few times and listened to it. So Kelly Jones um, from Stereophonics, his late, I went to see this this solo tour, and it's almost like a, before he plays each song, almost he tells the story behind it, how it was written, and um, what it's about, and the meaning of it. And some of the songs are just when you don't know really what it's about, and then you get to hear what it's about, and then him sing it. And you hear stories about David Bowie, playing with David Bowie, playing with um, you know Keith Richards and loads of other stuff. And it's really a musician's vinyl to buy. So if, if you're into you know, kind of hearing the story behind the song, which is for me, what the whole DP Happy Hour is about, is trying to learn the story behind the song. It is, um, it is, it is genius. It's absolutely great vinyl. So Kelly Jones, Don't Let the Devil Take Another Day. And that's a great song as well. That is, uh, it's uh, named after. I love that song off the yeah. off the la- that's off the Stereophonics album, isn't it? The, the last yeah, one. yeah. I love that song. Dan, thank you so much for coming on and having a chat with me. And uh, for, last of all, if someone has not heard of uh, DP Happy Hour up until today and they're thinking this is fantastic, I want to get involved. What do they do? So just give me a follow over on t- Twitter at Dan Potter thirty one. Check out the hashtag DP Happy Hour. It's a listening party featuring up-and-coming bands across the country where we all have a good time for an hour listening to unsigned music and having a good chinwag over on Twitter. So join in. It's better than watching Coronation Street in East End, isn't it? <laughs> it definitely is. And, uh, yeah, thank you very much and best of luck with uh, 2021 and, and a good Christmas and a, and a good New Year to you as well. You too, mate. Enjoy it. And uh, thanks for inviting me on. I appreciate it, pal. Good to chat to you. That's all. Thank you so much. Cheers, mate. Bye.